You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We begin this morning, today, with the words of the 23rd Psalm, believed to be a Psalm of David. Perhaps you've heard these words recited at a funeral or a wake, or perhaps you have prayed these words in a moment of personal or spiritual need. This probably won't come as a shock to anyone, but since I was raised in the suburbs and not in a rural area, when I first came to know Christ in my life and started reading scripture for myself, I didn't completely understand the nuance of this short but powerful psalm. It wasn't until I encountered them in a seminary class, where one of my professors had me read and recite this daily for the better part of a semester, And doing some research into the pastoral imagery, did I begin to understand the meaning behind these words? Because you see, on the surface, it seems simple enough, God is enough for us. God leads us through green pastures as well as dark valleys. But why would the presence of a rod or staff bring comfort, and what does it mean for God to be a shepherd? It's with some of these questions in mind that we come to our gospel lesson for this morning, from John chapter 10 where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, which is congruent with other places in scripture where God is described described as a shepherd, and seeks to bring vivid imagery of God caring for God's people, especially in the midst of hardship or strife. But what's striking about this passage in particular is that this is a conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. This passage is also the closest thing to a parable that we find in John's gospel. And in the passage preceding this one, Jesus describes himself first as the gate upon which the sheep must enter through, and not by climbing in through another way, like thieves or bandits do. It's interesting to note here as well that leaders of anti-Roman revolutionary movements, who sometimes made messianic claims, were occasionally called bandits. So So Jesus describes himself first as a gate, and then as a shepherd for his people. And it is, in a not subtle way, casting judgment on the leaders of Israel, calling himself the good shepherd and the leaders of Israel bad shepherds. Pair that with the description of the hired hand and also the wolf, and we can see that the main difference between these three different characteristics, these three different characters in this pastoral metaphor comes in verse 11b, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not willing to do that and runs away when the wolf comes. And the wolf seeks only to snatch the sheep and scatter them. Jesus was, in a very real real way, challenging the authority of the leaders of Israel and suggesting once again that God will shepherd God's own people, speaking to the new thing God was doing through Christ. But even this turn of phrase, laying down his life for the sheep, which occurs twice in this particular passage, as well as the phrase, the good shepherd, only occur here in John's gospel and John's letters. 
But this is the theme for this week's texts, this idea of laying down one's life for the sake of others. It's also a central part of our Christian faith and is the model we have for this radical idea. Is Christ himself, who voluntarily laid down his own life for the sake of humanity. It's interesting as well that even as Jesus speaks to the Pharisees about how he himself is the good shepherd, he references the fact that I have other sheep that are not of this fold. My study Bible suggested this could be referencing the Gentiles or non-religious people as well, which reminds me of Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus asked Jesus about what it means to be reborn, and Jesus responds with, For God so loved the world. Not just the Jews, not just the Pharisees, not just the Sadducees, not just the Gentiles, but... The world. And I don't know about anyone else, but I find myself needing to sit with this for a while. Because you see, it's easy to accept the fact that Jesus laid down his life for others who are similar to us. But it can be much more difficult to be reminded of the truth that the divine exists in each and every one of us, especially for those who look or think or act or believe differently than you or I might. And yet, this selfless act of sacrifice is something that we are called to emulate in our own lives, with Christ as our model for living it out. And our epistle lesson from 1 John chapter 3 makes this clear for us, where John writes, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods, and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. So not only is the call to one of self-sacrificing love. Remember from earlier in Lent this, this year, Paul's words to the Philippians. Let us have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross but also in truth and action. So this call then is to one not only of self-sacrificing love, but also to one that helps others in need and loves in truth and action. It's interesting to note here as well that the phrase refuses help can literally be translated closes the heart. Or in other words, being others-minded, desiring that everyone gets a seat at the table, that everyone is cared for and has their needs met. But I, but I think too, that this plays a role in our theology, that we are called to be constantly reevaluating ideas and beliefs that may not have the best interest of others at heart and seeking to grow through those ideas into a more robust sense of the family of God. Because friends, far too often we put up walls and fences when we feel uncomfortable around others sometimes even unintentionally alienate others who aren't like us. But the self-sacrificial love of the risen Christ is for all, and we who are Christians are called to live out that love in the midst of others who may not be aware of it yet. And the good news about this work is that we are not sent to do it alone. We are given the presence of Christ in our midst, the power of the Holy Spirit inside us, and the blessing and favor of God the Father to do so. May we then, as the people of God, live lives of self-sacrificial love. May it always be so.